If you're a cannabis business owner looking to expand into new markets and need guidance and support you can trust, consider Collateral Base, a group that has done it before in multiple merit-based and limited market states. Collateral Base was founded by an experienced cannabis attorney with highly educated consultants with master's degrees and years of experience in the cannabis industry. The Collateral Base team is confident they know cannabis licensing better than any of their peers. And I encourage you to see for yourself. It just takes one phone call. If you're ready to expand your cannabis business into new limited markets, contact Collateral Base today at 309-306-1095. That's 309-306-1095. Or visit collateralbase.com. Hey, music lovers. The Cannamom Show podcast, in collaboration with Lambkin Guitars, is giving away a custom-built, one-of-a-kind electric guitar built by Josh Lampkin. The solid one-piece hemp wood body includes a built-in glass bowl piece. Yeah, you heard me right. You can take a hit and then play a lick. Now's your chance to help the Cannamom Show crush cannabis stigma with your entry. Register for the Hemp Guitar Giveaway online at LampkinGuitars.com. That's L-A-M-K-I-N Guitars.com. The drawing will be part of a 420 celebration at the Goods Dispensary in Somerville, Massachusetts, where the guitar is on display for the month of April. But don't worry, you don't have to live in Mass or be present to win. Visit LampkinGuitars.com to scope out the Hemp Guitar giveaway details and entry form. You'll even find a video of what could be your guitar in action. L-A-M-K-I-N guitars.com. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's hot time. We had a hot time. Together. Together. Yes, it's a hot time. We had a hot time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe your host and Cannabis Lifestyle Guide. I was recently in Vegas for MJ BizCon, the Super Bowl of Cannabis Conferences, and I reconnected with Dr. Cody Peterson to continue our conversation from Podcast 235. If you're new to the podcast, Cody Peterson is a pediatric pharmacist, educator, and cannabis science expert. As Chief Science Officer of the Conigma and founding member of the Pharmacists Cannabis Coalition of California, Dr. Peterson's work is focused on providing accurate, digestible, actionable information about cannabis to both healthcare providers and the general population. During our chat in podcast row on the MJ BizCon Expo floor, we dive deeper on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, as well as vape pens, synthetic cannabinoids, and all of their relationships with our endocannabinoid system, or ECS for short. We talk about the history of the cannabinoid hyperemesis dis-ease state, studies and genetic trends being explored to determine who is at risk and why. We also touch on hyperemesis gravidarum in pregnant women. So if you or someone you love has a puking problem, this podcast is for you. 
It's also for highly responsible souls looking to better understand your body and relationship with cannabis. This episode is loaded with insight. But before we dive in, a word from our sponsor, MJ Relief, the muscle rub PhD formulated for what aches and pains you. The celebrations are in full swing, and I hope you'll consider gifting relief this holiday season. Whether it's those client and customer gifts, the white elephant parties, stocking stuffers, or gifting something useful for your parents, grandparents, favorite athlete, or first responder, MJ Relief uses hemp-based cannabinoids as a one-size-fits-all for those chronic aches and pains. And to relieve your wallet, Save 30% on your MJ purchase through December 20th using promo code GIFT30 at checkout when you shop MJSkinRelief.com. That's GIFT30 at MJSkinRelief.com. And if you're listening on your phone, scroll down in the podcast app you're using to see the episode notes where you'll find links to this offer and more from other casually baked partner brands. Shopping podcast partners is a win-win because you saving money on the things you want supports the production of this show. And if you're picking up what I'm putting down, please rate and review Casually Baked the Podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That one small action helps other canna-curious folks find this highly responsible cannabis content. All right, now's the time, my friend. Smoke them if you got them and settle in. It's time to get casually baked. It's high time. We had a high time together. Together. Cody Peterson, it is so good to see you in person this time. Hello, Joe. You're real. Yes, yes. MJ BizCon. It's been crazy so far, but really good, right? popping here like there are a lot of people it's a little slower this morning than yesterday morning when I walked in it was a sea of of people coming in Uh, but definitely people are waking up I see it right now yeah right caffeine yes now you and I are about to talk about something that the majority of the people in this space don't want to touch right it's a controversial topic amongst amongst the cannabis industry so We kind of touched on it last time you and I spoke when we were doing our episode on sleep, which is performing really well. People clearly are having issues with sleep. I think this is undoubted. I think we can all relate with that for sure. Yeah. So we touched on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome and you gave us the Cliff's Notes version, but today we're going to deep dive on it. So for those that may not have heard our sleep podcast yet, Let's just kind of give them a definition of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome and the symptoms. Yeah, so, so cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is a, is a disease characterized by uh, intense bouts or, or repeat cycles of nausea and vomiting. And it's really for somewhat yet fully ununderstood reason, but we do know that these individuals are often smoking high amounts of high THC cannabis products, not just dabbing, but typically smoking or or vaping of some variety. Another characteristic um, symptom besides nausea and vomiting in these cycles is these patients have a very um, 
peculiar uh, tendency to take long, hot baths and showers. Now, this is not very characteristic of many disease states, but it, it is very common, something like 75% or more of patients with CHS get relief from their nausea and vomiting by taking very hot, scalding hot showers. It is so bizarre. It's bizarre, but it's not when you understand the importance and the complexity of the endocannabinoid system, which just so happens to be what I specialize in. And, and it sort of makes sense. And I have all sorts of things that I'd love to kind of tell you about why I think that, that well, it, it makes some do. sense. Go for it. I'm like so, so curious. I think before we dive into it, we need to tell people that cannabinoid hyperemesis, because they probably never heard of it, is, is a new disorder. It was really only first described around the year 2005. So we haven't had very long to sort of study or very much research overall. It, it is also important to note that we don't know why it's increasing. We, maybe it's because we've identified it. Maybe it's because the potency of the cannabis is going up. Maybe it's a little bit of both. And maybe there's some stigma mixed in the middle. And it's probably, and it's not probably, it's definitely somewhere at the last part. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the fact that it wasn't discovered until 2005 or labeled in 2005 can also be one of the reasons that a legacy cannabis consumer might be like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but we are learning so many new things as we dive deeper and study more about cannabis. I personally know um, two people that have that. And so, you know, it's one of the things that they want to hear people talking about because it's almost like they get pushed back mm -hmm. into the cannabis closet because of it. Yeah, in the cannabis closet, but also into like a shameful closet. Like, because if, if you're a cannabis person and Isn't now cannabis, shame? cannabis sort of turns on you and so does the cannabis industry, those who are pro-cannabis, where you sort of left, right? You, you, you lost this tool. You lost this tool that you needed to, to help, uh, you know, get us through the world, right, for sleep or for anxiety, whatever, in the process of getting CHS and your community leaves you behind. So yeah. it's got to be really hard. Yeah, for sure. So who are the people that you're finding are most at risk for CHS? So, okay, a, a couple things. So at, we don't know very much about CHS. And that's just the, the, the number one thing that we have to say. It just hasn't been studied as well as it needs to. And it's increasing in, in frequency. So we're trying to figure that out. Now, those P patients that I see with CHS are, are young children. Not young. That's maybe the wrong word. Teenagers. Uh, I work in a pediatric hospital. That is my job. If you listen to the last episode, you probably heard this. And what I see is I see patients coming in with... Uh, young 15-year-olds who have uncontrolled vomiting, and they've been to the hospital numerous times before, and every time they come, when you check their urine, they're positive for THC, and typically, I, you know, these individuals are vaping or smoking regularly every day, multiple times a day. So that is the number one risk factor. The only thing we can say with certainty that is strongly associated with CHS is using high THC products regularly, and usually through inhalables, not exclusively. Let's pause on that for a second, because when you say heavy consumption of THC, back in the day when we were kids, I mean, I didn't consume cannabis until I was 20. However, when you're experimenting back then, the levels of THC weren't where they are now. There wasn't vaping. There weren't concentrates. Didn't we, exist yet. No. And so now when a young person, if they are experimenting a lot of the ones that I've talked to or their parents have reached out to me, their first experience with cannabis is a dab. 
I'm yeah. like, what? I can imagine we're going from zero to 150 is It's going to bring some bubbles to the surface that. faster, right? It's going to accelerate the identification of these problems. So I get you kind of, we want to say, yes, high THC use is probable. So what happened is Ethan Russo, who's a leading scientist in cannabis, he did a study recently um, with EndoCanna DNA. They sent out DNA tests. Um, for pay- people who had CHS um, and smoked a lot of cannabis, right? And then people who didn't. And then they tried to make comparisons between genetic trends they saw. There were some weaknesses in the size of the study, so the applicability. So definitely not not settled topic yet. But he did find a few consistent trends and dysregulation in parts of the ECS, but also in parts of just other parts of the brain that could be the reason that some individuals are sensitized to this effect. And when they consume large amounts, they can't process it like, say, Willie Nelson or Snoop Dogg or, or, (laughs) you know, because this is what people really don't understand is like some people can smoke all the cannabis they want and not get this disorder. First of all, why me? Which is a fair thing to, to stress. But but mostly it's just intergenetic you know, variability between people and change differences in how people consume their consumption habits. So I think we don't know enough yet, but we think strongly that there's an underlying genetic component that just puts some people more at risk of this. Yeah. So if you're unfortunate enough to develop CHS, is there a cure for it? Is there a way to completely get rid of it and keep your relationship with cannabis or does it mean that you're done with cannabis so there's a te- there's a textbook answer and then there's the real world answer and and the the textbook answer is the only treatment is abstinence if you go to the literature that you know where doctors would go look on how to treat this that the only way to proceed is to just t- turn off all thc and really really cannabis cbd would be included in most of these patients too now i don't i don't necessarily push for that that aspect of it but that's currently the recommendation in the literature now as far as like are people can they be cured so i like to describe chs as a dysregulation an imbalance set forth in your master balancing system okay and how did it get out of balance chronically consuming thc let it the the balance to sort of just uh, fall out of out of that I used the word balance twice. <laughs> but I get it. Yeah, yeah, I was doing a hand motion that, that, that she could see. <laughs> um, okay, so when the system that's designed to keep you in balance is chronically stimulated by this plant that, that you know, in doses that are pretty high when you start talking about 70% THC all day long, you know, what we see is an imbalance, and that imbalance results in cyclical vomiting. So the, the corrective action is getting the ECS back into balance. Can that be done with cannabis abstinence? Yes. But can it be done with conscious, mindful, thoughtful cannabis use? I would argue yes, but not going back to dabbing the same amount of THC. You Once you develop CHS, it is unlikely you'll ever return to the same level of, of consumption that you were, you were enjoying without dealing with this consequence. And some people live with CHS. They decide that they don't, they don't believe it's cannabis or don't care or can't don't can't feel like they quit and so they'll power through and continue to come back to the hospital month after month even week after week we're going through sometimes up to 10 days 11 days of no food just constant vomiting just wanting to keel over that sounds miserable yeah. so when we talk about our endocannabinoid system getting out of whack you know, the thing that I had learned early on in my cannabis education was that CBD 
is kind of the homeostasis creator in our ECS. Okay. So when you say cutting out cannabis, and that includes CBD, in my logical brain, I think CBD might help it. But do they, have you found that people that just start smoking like hemp CBD flour still have that vomiting? Yeah, there's there's not a lot of evidence that that's the solution for for everyone or certain, but there's still a lot of lack of clarity. I definitely encourage individuals to move away from high THC types and move towards a more balanced variety. I really encourage people to maybe even move away from smoking because smoking creates very high drug levels and then very low every two hours. You want to be balanced, but you're taking something that shoots you up and then and then drops you down, right? It's kind yeah. of like taking fast-acting sugar instead of eating your long-acting carbohydrate. So uh, if, if someone develops CHS and they want to keep using cannabis, I would, I would move them towards an oral option probably to keep mm-hmm. that up and down less mm-hmm. and we talk about minor cannabinoids ones that don't stimulate this receptors quite as hard as as thc but the period of abstinence is going to be recommended anyway as best mm-hmm. as we can clean break and then reintroduce cannabinoids see if you tolerate cbd isolate okay great now let's see if you tolerate a type 3 balanced product and you can kind of work back into it mm-hmm. there's a lot of complexities here though because this master regulatory system the ecs that's out of balance it has to do with your stomach and your intestines this is why patients often deal with uh, heartburn indigestion diarrhea both uh, during their whole bout with chs um, but also they can have they can have symptoms even just from food after quitting cannabis. So they'll take some food that stimulates the ECS in the wrong way in their bellies and they get sick. So an example of this is alcohol really commonly induces CHS symptoms. Other people say spicy foods, things with pepper or or red pepper. It's really intriguing because the system in our body that senses hot in, in chemicals like cayenne pepper that's the endocannabinoid system, not the one that you're classically trained on, CB1, CB2, but rather this whole system of sensory uh, receptors known as TRPs. And, and it's really a complex, masterful system and yeah. so much to learn. Wow, that's fascinating. So microdosing is the answer if you want to continue. And, you know, I mean, I was microdosing before we knew it was microdosing. Before we called it that. Yeah, I was the... I just, like, a little bit of weed. Yeah. Well, I was a college kid who's in a smoke circle and, you know, hit it a couple of times and then just pass. And people would make fun of me, call me a lightweight, but I'm like, yo, I feel the way I want to feel. This works for me. Like, yeah. you know, like it doesn't have to be judgy. Like you didn't get high enough. That's not a, that shouldn't be a, a peer pressure. I know. Well, that's kids for you, which again, that's fair. you know, teens when will you be teens. Yeah. And the, and the pressure of trying it. So like the gravity bong or the dab pen or whatever. And I think that's what gets a lot of kids in trouble, which then leads me to think about parents having really honest conversations with their kids about the truths of cannabis, the the good, the bad, and the ugly, instead of just the just say no Nancy Reagan approach, having a real convo. Totally. And not ignoring it either, having the conversation, asking their kids if they know have any friends that use cannabis, and having that dialogue. There's so much stigma there. Parents don't have as much trouble asking about alcohol. And so getting away from from that stigmatized conversation into normalcy is really important. You asked earlier, you know, what I see and what in my practice with patients who come in more commonly than not, it's a vape pen, not because vape pens are the devil, although they're not my favorite consumption device. There's just no ritual here. 
I can wake up, reach over out of bed, and, and puff on this vape. And we've talked about this, I think, on the last episode. I can take it to school, and I can have it in my locker. I can have it on the bus. I can have it before soccer and after soccer. And all of a sudden, you create a habit, just like a nicotine habit, but one with weed. And and habits are hard to break for kids. And, yeah. and so it's really important that we, you know, are mindful that this can happen right under your nose. Mm-hmm. And not that you need to be a Nazi about it. You need to be communicative with your, with your child and figure out if they are using cannabis, why they're using it. Yeah. You know, it's funny when you were saying that, that it's just so easy. When I see teens and adults carrying around the vape pen, hitting it everywhere they are, in my mind, it's an adult pacifier. It's so gross. I think we can call weed that, an adult pacifier. Well, but the vape pen and just that (laughs) need, that motion of just picking Mm -hmm. it up and, and using it all the time. Smoking is a habit, and, mm-hmm. and you know, vape pens have created, and, and both nicotine and, and uh, cannabis vape pens have created that just to be even easier yeah. uh, to, to get in habituated. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I think that there's concerns around all of it, but when you had to, you talked earlier, yeah, the weed was less potent. You also had to ritual. You had to go out into the forest at 420 and roll up, and then you would be with your friends, and then you'd have to go home and pretend, you know, not to be stoned. And now it's like, well, I'm just kind of always stoned, so my parents don't know. I'm just always sort of a yeah. little high from my vape pen. Mm-hmm. True. Now, there's a little side topic that I want to talk about. When we spoke last time, you mentioned the child that had died recently from, quote, cannabis. And I didn't want to pull us off topic, okay. so I didn't go into it. But I had heard that this was from consumption of the synthetic Delta-8, this CBD version of Delta-8, derived Mm. Delta-8. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I want to know what you know and break it down based on yeah. on that information totally so so there is definitely a young a young boy who passed away and we know that there was some cannabis involved and some neglect involved we don't know how exactly this went but there was a, a young i believe a four or five year old um, who had taken delta eight gummies as it's been reported in the media although i have no evidence of that um and it, it ended up being that this little boy passed away in the period sometime after he took this gummy. His mother called uh, even poison control and said that the child had gotten into a CBD gummy, right? They're already blurring the lines of this conversation because technically Delta 8 was derived from CBD or much of it is anyway. Delta 8 is what's called an, an isomer of THC. THC is Delta 9. If you would think of the, the um, its uh, fingers on a clock, it's normally in one position. If you move the clock hand one over, you're going to get Delta 8. Okay, this is a chemical clock hand. It's not really a clock hand. <laughs> uh, but, but just to appreciate, this is very similar. It, would, it wouldn't even be identifiable to the untrained eye of what's going on. Now, Delta-8 does work very similar to THC. It acts on the endocannabinoid system, CB1 receptors in the brain, causing all of the high effects that we all, we've all experienced. Now, that sounds relatively safe, and we've been told there's no such thing as a cannabis overdose. Okay, And that's based on animal studies where they gave monkeys and, and primates and dogs all sorts of cannabinoids, and it's very hard to get someone to pass away from a large dose of cannabis. However, those were based on what should happen with an adult, and we know that children have a different brain than do adults, and in their brain, they can have different endocannabinoid systems. And so in my practice and in my experience in the hospital, I've seen numerous children, not I want to say dozens, but handfuls 
of children who've come to the hospital for accidentally ingesting 50, 100, 200 milligrams of THC from either one gummy or one chocolate bar. And then they come in and they're very hard to arouse, very difficult to even get to, to wake up and, and say their name or, or open their eyes. And so in one instance, we've intubated the child. We put a tube in their throat and breathe for them for 12 hours. Most of the time, they were able to take them up to the ICU. They have a pretty intense edible experience. <laughs> they're kind of tripping out, like looking at the wall, uh, but they're usually fine. But we don't know how these synthetics, right, how non-cannabis derived products are getting there. And that's where the Delta 8 gets scary. It's not coming from the plant. It's being made by people. And in the process of making it, there's now emerging evidence that a lot of things can be produced, things that we don't know how they affect humans, even if we know how Delta 8 works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in these non-legal states where they are leaning on the CBD derived Delta-8 that's made in a lab to get high. Mm -hmm. I mean, because everybody wants to have some sort of, you know, release, altered experience, whether or not they're using cannabis to get there or alcohol to get there or nicotine. caffeine. Yes, whatever that is. We're all looking to enhance our experience of life in beneficial ways. Yeah, so it's just something that is so nonchalantly used and there's not regulations around it yet. And, you know, the concern for me is that um, the plant is going to get a bad name yeah. for causing... Cannabis, quote unquote. Yeah. And so that's what concerns me. And so that's why I really wanted to talk about this a little bit more and let people know that, you know, if, if it's plant medicine, that's one thing. If it's something that's in a lab, that the certi- certificate of analysis doesn't have to go as deep as what some of these things may be hidden doesn't in there. doesn't have to meet a federal standard. There aren't good regulations on who's licensed to do these lab tests. It's not licensed very well. Who even needs to publish what information they need to tell you, whether it has to be microbial tested or heavy metal tested or just cannabinoids. It's really ambiguous. And as a healthcare professional, somebody who's an expert in this field, I find it hard to go out there and read a COA sometimes. Yeah, for sure. And I'm like, you know, I should like this is should my bread and butter. And it's just really challenging to be a consumer in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to t- talk about Delta 8 just a little bit more. Okay, yeah. So Delta 8, even though you'll be told it's made in the plant, it's not. That is bullshit. <laughs> You're, the, the Delta 8 that is being produced in the plant, that's been found in the flower, was not made by the flower. It was made by the sun beaming down on the molecules made by the flower, and then it does something called isomerizing, okay? So there's biosynthetic pathways in the cannabis plant, and Delta-8 is not part of it, okay? That is a degradant product from UV sun exposure. So when somebody says, I got a Delta-8 plant, no, you didn't. There's no such thing as a Delta-8 plant. There's no cannabis Delta-8 on the market, period, that's well, I shouldn't say period. You could take Delta 9 from the marijuana plant and convert that to Delta 8. And that's the, you know, when you said it's a degraded version of the Delta 9. And that's really the experience that you get when people talk about taking Delta 8. 
it's like it's a more mellow high than the Delta 9. So that makes sense to me mm-hmm. that that would be the experience. Yeah, and I can see that. My concern with this the whole Delta 8 thing is is that we're I don't even have a problem with Delta 8, the molecule itself. Mm-hmm. It's that this isn't being made properly. So yeah. the floppy molecule that is CBD, when you have to make it a rigid structure, which THC mm-hmm. is, yeah. you have to close a ring. Now imagine uh, a ring that could close in 360 different angles. And so now you have a variability of like 10 other molecules that can be produced when you're trying to close that ring. There are not good analytical standards to detect those other byproducts. There are not being tested. There's no standards on how it should be done, the conversion and how, how to clean up that product. So there's a lot of stuff on the market that's just slipping right by regulators going onto store shelves that, yeah, there's Delta 8 in there, but there's also CBD, there's also THC, and some other ISO-THC stuff that you've never even heard of and, and wouldn't even be able to, like, meet do anything with without having an advanced degree in chemistry. Well, and so the testing facilities, too. I mean, I've heard from plenty of people that say there are so many more terpenes present than what get tested for you know and so it's just like we don't have a standardization within the testing community to then turn around and be able to present this information to a consumer in a way that really is all-encompassing I guess yeah and we don't even know enough about the nuances of the effects of the terpenes but I am a big proponent have you looked at the labeling here in Las Vegas have you bought any cannabis products? Not this trip. I haven't. Okay, so I, I don't. I'm sure the the regs were the same last year. But you get your three cannabinoids: THC, CBD, and CBG percentages on your product, and they list the top three terpenes in each one. So not every one of the terpenes, but the most abundant, mm-hmm. which I think goes a long way in trying to give consumers skills to tune their own medicine. Right? No longer t- lean. Oh, they told me it's an indica. They yeah. told me this one would make me sleepy, and here I am, 3 o'clock in the morning, bouncing off the wall. Mm-hmm. Be- but if you, people are more likely to find a trend if this is the way this terpene and THC together affects you, then you can probably lean into that as a more predictable experience. At least mm-hmm. that's the direction that we feel at the Kenigma to go, and that I think a lot of the industry is going. Yeah, a Soulful Dispensary in Sebastopol, California, they only carry sun-grown flower and on the back of every jar it tells you the cannabinoid and terpene breakdown and they've been doing that for years and so yeah and i love shopping there they show you the region the terroir they Mm. they really break it down need to go and you would love that (laughs) and so i i constantly use that as like that's the marker that's where everybody needs to get to when you are providing that sort of information you are elevating the consumer. You're empowering them. Well, yeah, like to to make their own decisions, to be their own quote-unquote doctor, to like, okay, this is going to help me sleep better. This is going to help me relax after work. This is my workday weed. It's, you know, <laughs> low THC, right. you know, and I can be casually baked and get my <laughs> shit done. Yeah, and for me, a, 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 like if I'm going to get things done, a balanced variety is a much smoother process it gives me a window like like you said low thc a little more cbd in there you know there and there's good scientific evidence to say that this cbd present modulates mm-hmm. the thc so i'm a big i'm a big fan in the especially if you're trying to use medicinally or you're trying to use and not experience oh, i went too far yeah going with those balanced products go a long way and you know when 
you talk to anyone in the industry, they know that classic, the nose knows. The nose knows. If you teach that to a consumer and then they can turn the jar around and look and be like, oh, this is the terpene mm-hmm. that I keep being drawn to. Yes. My body wants this. Yes, Joe. You know, that's the place where I'm like... Empowering the consumer yeah. to make better mm-hmm. decisions for themselves. And I think that's that's really part of it, you know. I think there's a long way to go, but moving away from the indica sativa model and moving towards a, a terpene and, and teaching people this this skill of, of smelling their cannabis is going to go a lot further into predicting because there's so much variability inside of our brains that, that I can't put in two categories. Right, right. It's just not a thing. And, you know, the earlier when you were talking about type 3 cannabis, um, type 1 is high THC, type 2 high CBD, type 3 is the more balanced. Switch that. Type 2 is the balanced, type 3 is the high CBD. Okay. Because I'd learned this from one of your colleagues at the Kenigma. Good. I love that. Um, Yes. And so when you said that earlier, I just wanted to make sure that people understood that eventually as legalization continues to sweep the country there will be more of um, terminology like that that becomes kind of across the board used in the industry so if you know that kind of stuff say it use it teach Uh your peers versus the whole indica sativa thing like yeah, we got to get that away from dead. that we yeah. got to go and yeah. the only reason we went to indica sativa is cuz we were focusing on high THC it was all high THC so now we needed to try to differentiate and we can still do that with terpenes but you were spot on type 1 type 2 type 3 is one of the in my opinion the cleanest ways to do this it's not perfect. It was developed in 1974 by Dr. Ernest Small. This isn't my idea. This is an old system. Holy shit. And we're actually building on it. Type 4 is a high CBG variety. And so those are new flowers coming onto the market now. Mm-hmm. And now they're, they're calling a type 5 uh, cannabinoid-free cannabis. So they're growing cannabis with giant seeds, but they don't want any wasted time on trichomes and, and you know that. So there's actually cannabinoid-free cannabis. So that's for industrial use? Yeah, mostly, and sometimes placebo and drug control trials. Okay. All right. I like this. So what have I not asked you you know we're in we're in trade show mode so we we have a timer on our backs uh. so tell me if there's anything about chs that i didn't ask you that's really important to touch on or something else about the synthetic cannabinoids i want to make sure that we you know wrap it up in a tidy bow synthetic cannabinoids i'll just give my opinion i trust plants and enzymes that have been on earth for two million years more than i trust somebody who read how to do this on an online forum and i'm going to leave it at that <laughs> Uh, and then uh, can- cannabinoid hyperemesis. Yeah, I want to address the this uh, controversy. I want to address that CHS is a newer diagnosis. We have problems. We have indiv- doctors pers- saying someone has CHS maybe sometimes when they don't. And we've got the other problem where patients have CHS and no one recognizes it because it's new. And they struggle for many years with their own, you know, at not even realizing their own cannabis use. When you consume cannabis, you don't immediately start vomiting. Like a lot of people have this misconception that it's like you smoke and then you vomit. It's not. It's a cycle and pattern of vomiting having to do more with your circadian rhythms, your normal ups and downs, and your whole body as, a, as one thing. So yes, sometimes it's the next morning. Sometimes it doesn't come up for weeks even though you've been smoking and then it roars back. So we don't fully understand the pathogenesis of this disease. But there's a lot of controversy around neem oil pesticides causing CHS. Have you heard this? 
No, and um, but neem oil is a natural pesticide, right? It is, and but natural products can have side effects, as we certainly, talk about CHS. <laughs> yeah, but um, I just want to yeah, make sure totally. we're talking about neem oil is a, is a extracted from the seed of the neem tree, which is a native to the Indian subcontinent, and it contains numerous molecules. There's one in particular we think is is anti-bug, and it is used in cannabis. How much? I don't want to say. I'm not in the cultivation house. But there's a lot of individuals who want a scapegoat on CHS. And so they're leaning into saying this is untested pesticides and this is neem oil. And while I cannot disprove that, there isn't evidence to say that's not true. There's no evidence to say that it is either. It's not the consensus among the PhDs and the doctors and everyone who's writing the the peer-reviewed literature on this. And it doesn't fully line up. A syndrome in medicine is a, a set of symptoms characterized by the ch- certain, you know, trends. Hot bathing, high THC use, chronic cyclic, cyclic vomiting is sort of the collection, and there's some, a couple other minor things, of CHS. If this was poisoning, it would be directly related to the person consuming the poison. It's highly unlikely that, that it would be this sort of delayed onset cyclical in nature and it would make zero sense to be relieved by hot baths. But when you understand that the endocannabinoid system and the sensory system, uh, including these channels that hot baths stimulate, it's connected to your ECS, it all makes sense in that regard and it doesn't line up with most poisonings or most toxins. So I really wanted to get that out there. This is Ethan Russo's opinion, this is Dr. Cody Peterson's opinion, and the general consensus. But, all of that with a caveat, we don't have a surefire, this is it. So Yeah. Now, the first time I ever heard of an hyperemesis syndrome was with a pregnant woman that oh, I knew. Hyperemesis gravitarum. Yeah, and so I'm like, this woman couldn't stop vomiting. Mm-hmm. And so, is... Is all of that also tied to the endocannabinoid system? So, such a good question. Unproven. I would hypothesize it's related. And here's something really interesting. Women who have hyperemesis gravidarum sometimes find relief with cannabis. And wow. Yeah. And this is a really common CBD use for pregnant women. A lot of women are leaning into this because there's no good, good medicines for them. Obviously, when we're pregnant and we're dealing with any medicine, we need to proceed with caution. But this disorder is characterized by a woman's inability to eat for days on end, just vomiting constantly, which puts her and the baby as life at risk. So, you know, any neurodevelopmental things we want to try to say cannabis does, and let's be real, we got a lot of samples in this world, yeah. uh, you know, is not, is not going to be like life changing. And, and considering, again, the risk of vomiting so much that you lose the baby. It makes, to me, it makes sense to go looking and seeing if this is a good therapeutic option. So, yes, I would argue it is, but we can't explain it. Hyperemesis is just lots of vomiting. Yeah. Okay. So, tell me a little bit about what the Kenigma has going on at MJ BizCon and um, what y'all are excited about for the new year. Well, I'm really excited about an infused dinner that we're going to tonight. But we're really excited. Chef Jordan Wagman, who's one of the advisors, that's sort of that's sort of what I do at the Kenigma is I run a team of advisors, and we've got specialists in each area. So we were here with the pharmacist. We're here with the cultivation expert. We're here with our chef, and the chef is putting on a dinner for us and a hundred of our closest friends. We're going to infuse every meal. It's very bougie. Lots of risotto and lamb in the kitchen lately. Very nice. uh, and Chef Jordan Madden is super clean, doesn't use any artificial ingredients. He's, he's a man. So really excited for that as our party and social event and business. We're trying to try to 
uh, you know, get some work done. Uh, but then also, we're really excited to be rolling out some in, some cool tools. We're going to do an edible calculator that should be coming out soon. We've got a home cultivation guide from everyone from like beginner to at least intermediate, probably not advanced, I won't say that. Uh, but we've got a cultivation guide coming out and lots of really cool stuff in partnerships. So the next, the next 6 to 12 months, you're going to continue to see content coming out from us. And we'd love to hear what you want to read about. Right on. And that is Conigma, C-A-N-N-I-G-M-A.com. That's correct. Awesome. Well, Cody, thank you so much for taking a little bit of time to come hang out with me today in Podcast Row. Yeah, it's really cool. We get to see everyone walking by. There's windows in our podcast room. So if you've seen like I was distracted, I was just people watching. Well, see, that's why my back is to the windows Uh, because I'm like... Squirrel, squirrel. (laughs) (laughs) Like I need to focus on you. So yeah, if anybody gets distracted, I'll let it be you. Uh, well, I, d- I think we did it. I think yeah. we did it without too much distraction. And I'm really thankful for the platform. This is a conversation that people need to hear. CHS, you don't need to feel shameful about it. We don't know why it happens. There's not a good solution, but there is support out there. And, and don't feel like there's nothing and no hope for the future. But we do need to reset the system and come back to cannabis mindfully. And thank you for being a practical, down-to-earth voice for this you know I mean a lot of times when you talk to somebody who is in medicine and wears a white coat you know I already know where you're going yeah they just it's a hard and fast this is the way it is yeah and it's it is what it is and you are you know more embracing of the ambiguousness and the lack of um, information and you know I appreciate that you'll share how you hypothesize on something a lot of people are like I don't know so I can't answer that question and then you know the conversation ends yeah. well somebody has to hypothesize if we're going to study it so Amen. I hope that somebody you know hears they're like, oh that, that guy's a good idea let's go study it because you know that's not my you know I do a little bit of research but I that's not what I do I'm a pharmacist I'm a practicing real life tangible we got to come up with a real viable solution because if you don't take this medicine you know you're going to come back to the hospital so i think really that's the pharmacist's job is already facilitating between doctor and and patient via the medicine and so this is why i think pharmacists need to be involved and you know why i've started the pharmacist cannabis coalition of california to try to do that in on the west coast nice well good luck to you and again thank you for everything you do for our industry yeah i can't wait for the next podcast joe Right on. All right. See you soon. I hope you'll share this podcast and what you learned with a friend. Remember that corrective action always starts with listening to your body and consuming all things consciously. You know, what I've been evangelizing on this podcast for almost seven years. So if you want to connect or collaborate with me, Email your messages, requests, or can of curious questions through the website or DM me on social. When I'm there, I'm at Casually Baked on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, The Weed Tube, and Truth Social. And if you want to continue your education on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome or follow Cody's work, head over to the podcast 237 show notes at casuallybaked.com. However you decide to support our highly responsible cannabis movement, thank you for doing your part to Puff Puff Pass It On. This is a time. We had a time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. 
Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Jamie Humiston at PodConnects. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend, Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album, Gotta Get Back, wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create High Time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.